Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. We want to continue. We're in a summer playlist, and a playlist, I mean, if you were... If you were hanging out with me way back in the 80s, you know, I, I grew up in one of the best dec- decades ever in the 80s, right? The best music, the best everything going on. And I can already hear the disgruntledness happening in this place. But one thing that we did, it was a playlist, and some of you may not know what that is. That's a cassette tape. How many know what a cassette tape is, right? So like now, you know, uh, we have Spotify, you have so many options, but back in my day, and Stephanie talked about it last week, that you would put like a cassette tape in your boom box, is that, am I connecting to the soul of some people today, right? You put it in your boom box, and you would put together your favorite playlist, and you would get together so that whatever you were doing, you could have it. And so this summer, we're going through the Psalms, and we're kind of pulling these out. And I encourage you that as we dive into today, we're, we're going to start with one of, one of my favorite Psalms. is the very first one. But if you want to follow along, the Church Center app, if you haven't done that, make sure you download it. But there's also, when you open it in the very bottom in the middle, it says Sunday morning. All the scriptures are there. There's notes there. There's lots of things you can connect to. So I, if you're looking to follow along and it's hard to understand Canadian, you can kind of look through there. That'll help you with the translation today. So we're looking at Psalm 1. Psalm 1 as we continue our playlist series. And Psalm chapter 1, it starts off by saying blessed. That means happy. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers but whose delight, everyone say delight, delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Listen to this, whatever they do prospers. Verse 4 says, not so the wicked, they are like chaff, that the wind blows away. Chaff is that stuff when they used to go through grain. They would throw it in in the air. This good seeds would come down, and the chaff would just blow away. Useless. They're like the chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So, Lord, as we dive into your word today, Lord, may you bless it, may you use it. Lord, may you anoint me and let the words of my mouth, meditations of my heart, be acceptable in your sight. Speak to us today through your word. And everyone said together, amen. Amen. So, as we begin, I want to highlight one fact that the very first word in the book of Psalms, right, this is the hymn book for the nation of Israel, is the word happy. That word blessed literally means, oh, how happy. And if you were to ask people what they want in life, if you were just to be, you know, that, that, that mic on the street going, what do you want in life? What is your goal in life? Most people would say for themselves and others, I just want to be happy. Who wants to be happy? I do. I feel pretty happy right now, so this is a pretty good feeling, you know. We, we see the blessings of the, of the Lord. And it's one of the things, I think happy is one of our favorite words, and there was, there's been so many great songs that kind of talk about happiness, that it's one of the things that we are all chasing. After all, we all, we want to be happy. 
I mean, from a very young age, uh, we, you know, we're, uh, we are taught and we're often told that we should be happy and that we're told that we should pursue it. I mean, the Declaration of Independence, it has happiness in there. And in, in fact, uh, we are so consumed at, at times with being happy that if we're not happy, we think something's wrong. You ever felt that? You're like, I'm not feeling very good. What's wrong? You know, I'm not, I should be happy all the time, shouldn't I? And even to the point where if we don't feel happy, if that goes for very long, we'll kind of be tempted to make massive changes in our life because we're like, we should be happy. So um, if I don't feel happy, maybe I should do that. And, and sometimes we'll even stop doing things. Maybe you've heard somebody say this or you talk to somebody and you say, why did you stop doing that? And, and they'll say, well, it, it didn't make me happy anymore. So I, 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 I just stopped doing it. So what makes us happy? You know, what makes us happy? When you talk to people and you ask them about what makes them happy, uh, some will say, well, you know what? If I just made more money, then I'd be happy. Or some would say, if I had that job, you know, that job where they really appreciated me, right? They loved my sermons, then I'd be happy, you know? Or maybe, you know, if I had that relation, that's an amen. If I, if I said, if it was something to where, you know, uh, some people will say, you know, if I had that relationship, or if I married that person. How many know marrying the wrong person does not make you happy, right? I marry the wonderful person, so. Oh, I know. Uh, and some people said, and I've even said this, you know, if I could just fit back into those jeans from the 80s, then I'd be happy. Anybody ever say that, right? That's, ha- a, you know, a well-fitting pair of jeans that I can have a meal in without having pain. That's happiness. Some parents even say that what makes them happy is if their kids are happy. I just want my kids to be happy. And so they pour their whole life into wanting to make their kids happy, right? And as, and as, as a result, they've made this the goal of their children. And it sounds like a good goal because, I mean, happiness is good. It, happiness is in the Bible. But I want to give us some caution because the pursuit of just happiness, when that becomes our goal, is that this can be actually bad and even dangerous advice, Because, see, the more that we chase the feeling of happiness for ourselves or for someone else, sometimes the worse it can get. Are babies happy all the time? No. (laughs) Lesson number one. Lesson number one. And just by way of instruction, and Katie knows this, but, I mean, uh, you know, uh, crying children, parents, parents, and parents will see this, that crying children, they don't bother me. And I would say this. Other people's crying children don't bother me, <laughs> you know, because there's, there's a blessing from the Lord that comes in that and that, that we see that. So as we have children here, it's, you know, it's not the noise of children. Sometimes it's the quietness of children that makes me feel a little nervous. What, what are they into? What, what's going on? Um, because they don't want to identify themselves right now. But as we go in, we know that true happiness, it's, it's not just a feeling. Feelings come and feelings go, uh, and feelings can be easily manipulated. I mean, that's why psychological warfare is so powerful, because we know if we can control, if we can manipulate the feelings of somebody else, then we can own them. We can own them, and we can have the upper hand. I mean, that's why everyone wants to be happy, but when we look at the world around us, sadly, we find that so few are you know, mental health is, is a crisis in our, uh, in our world today. Broken relationships, uh, job dysfunction, the divorce rate, anxiety, however you want to mark happiness, I think it doesn't take an expert to look around and go, we're, we're, we're struggling a little bit right here. So what's the fix? 
Because there's a fix to this, because for the psalmist to start off with happy, with blessed, there's got to be a fix to this. And the Bible talks about it quite a bit. And it's right here, the psalmist, he's pointing out to the true meaning, the depth of happiness, this lifelong happiness is in the beginning, and this is it. And it begins with understanding that happiness is not a goal. Happiness is a byproduct. See, happiness, true happiness, is the fruit of walking with God. See, happiness isn't something that we pursue Happiness is the byproduct of someone who's walking with God, that they've, they've, uh, they've, they've, just, they've submitted and surrendered everything because through the Lord we have this deep, unshakable happiness that's the result of walking with God through the ups and through the downs. I mean, just like I feel cold when I jump in a glacial lake. I did that this past week, and then I jumped right out. Um, I feel warm when I gather around a fire. When I'm filled with that deep walking that conviction with the Lord, the fruit of that is this happiness, this joy that's not just a gleeful, not always a tear-filled, but it's that confidence, firm foundation that my life is anchored in God. And the result of that is this joy unspeakable that's not affected by all the things around me. It's centered on God. And the psalmist... He begins by showing this by often pointing to the negative. So sometimes you'll, you'll point to the negative, you know, to kind of show a point of what it means. And he begins by, by pointing out this group of people, people who have pursued happiness, but they've actually ended up miserable. And he calls them the wicked, the sinners, and the, the scoffers. The psalmist says uh, that we shouldn't be with the counsel of the wicked. These are the ungodly, hostile people towards God. Or the way of the sinners These are people that they're living out of alignment with God and they're disobeying God in how they think and how they act. And then he talks about the seed of scoffers. These are the arrogant, the mockers, right? The name callers. And these are the people that in the beginning they can appear to be for you and they invite you in, right? They say, everything's good over here. Why don't you come with us and engage with what we're doing? But as we look at this, I think it's important to identify that the tactic of what the Bible calls wicked and scoffers, it's really the same tactic of, of, of someone who fishes. How many people love to fish, right? I mean, it's, it's an amazing thing. And like where I grew up, I grew up in northeastern Canada. And when we talk about fishing in eastern Canada, what we're really talking about is catching. When I came to America, I recognized this is not what you're talking about. The first guy who asked me to go fishing, it was in Kansas City, it was a pond. He said, do you want to go fishing today? Yes. I brought my bag to carry the fish home. We were there from 7 in the morning until noon. And about noon, I asked him, I said, so when do we start catching? And he said, oh, I've never caught anything here. (laughs) I said, why are we here? Where I grew up, if you don't have a trout on or a codfish on in five minutes, you're in the wrong spot, and you got to move. But he was like, oh, this is fun. I just wanted to have a talk. And I'm like, we can talk anywhere. <laughs> but see, a great fisherman knows, and this is a tactic of the wicked, the scoffers, these people that we've talked about. A good fisherman knows that you go where the fish are, you find out what is irresistible to them, what they cannot resist, and then you put it on a sharp hook and then you put it in front of them. And not only that, with salmon here in the Northwest, maybe you don't know this. If you just put something out and leave it there, I mean, you might get lucky after a while, but a salmon's not really gonna deal with that because, you know, salmon don't just eat dead things. I mean, you've gotta make it look alive and exciting and put flashers, and it's gotta be there, and it's, 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 it's much more complicated than it may appear. 
So bravo to all of you who have landed a salmon in the Puget Sound. But when you do that, you put it in front of them. You, you tempt them and you tease the fish with it until, bam, they take it, they get that hard bite that every fisher person dreams about, and then the hook sets and it is game on. They tempt them with it. They want them to, to bite hard. And this is what the enemy does in our lives. This is what's being laid out. The enemy is out to do the same thing where the enemy knows what we want. The enemy knows that we are pursuing happiness. They know that, you know what, if I just made more money, if I just had a better job, if I just fit into my jeans, if I just had all these things that I want, the enemy knows this because in made in all of us, there's this deep need for friendship and relationships. We all want to be accepted. We all want to be, have friends that we can talk to and hang out with. We want to have financial security. We want, to, we want to have someone who will empathize with us and look at us and say, you know what? You are right. Do you, do you enjoy that? Rarely hear it, but it's, it's nice when it happens, right? Someone looks and says, yes. These are the things that so many of us want. See, whatever pain we're feeling, the enemy knows and is ready to throw that quick fix right out in front of us. See, this is the secret of a drug dealer. They know we're in pain, and they know that they have something to temporarily take it away, and the first one's free. See, the first bite is free, by the, but then the hook sets, and they have us. The hook looks shiny, but the moment you bite it, the true motive appears, because the motive is never to help. The motive is to own you. It's the ultimate bait and switch. And so many have fallen into this trap and, that, and I believe that's why the psalmist starts off by warning us to stay away from the mockers. Stay away from the scoffers. Stay away from those who are not following after God. These, as, I, as we talked about earlier, that all of this, this is like the chaff that when you blow it up and, and just this little wind comes by, it is gone, it is destroyed, it is no good. And he even ends with saying, the way of the wicked leads to destruction. See, the happiness of these things, it's cheap, it's temporary, and it costs you, though it's cheap, it costs you everything. It will destroy us. But then I love that the psalmist, it points to the real deal. And it points to what real true happiness is. So what is true happiness? Well, the psalmist points it out that the way to happiness is this. It's that word that we repeated earlier. The way to happiness is to delight in the law of the Lord. It's to delight in the law of the Lord. And that word delight, when we talk about delight, we're talking about something that this is our focus. This is what we lean into. This is the thing that we, we can't wait to get to. I mean, to think about what are the things that you delight in? You know, for me, you know, I, backpacking, spending time with my wife, you know. Uh, I love going out and being in a kayak. Uh, I love to have the hope of one day catching a salmon from my kayak, but I've not figured them out yet. I'm still working on that. It's the thing that we value most. See, for true happiness, the psalmist says that we are to delight, not on all the things that are around us, but that we are to delight in the law of the Lord. And he even goes on to say, meditate on it day and night. Now, when I was reading through this this past week and just kind of going over it, meditating on it, it made me think about something from back in my high school days when a lot of kids around me, they would say, I don't want to be a Christian because Christian is just about obeying a bunch of laws and rules, Right? And you read this, and you're like, whoa, I need to focus on the laws? I need to focus on more rules? Is, is Christianity really about a bunch of rules? And, you know, at first, that can be kind of a pushback and go, no, Christianity is not about a bunch of rules. But when you think about it, 
everything that we enjoy in our life, everything that we enjoy, everything that causes us to prosper and to walk through this life is operating by a set of rules. I mean, everything that we enjoy. Our, our bodies have rules. You break the rules of your body, and you're going to be with the, with the doctor. My doctor's here today. Uh, Michael's parents, uh, Dr. Dr. Tavani, he's here today. He was my, my doctor where we'd come in, and he'd talk about the things that were hurting me, but then we had great conversations about music. So good to see you here, Nick and Donna, today. Welcome from, from uh, Northern Virginia, D.C. area. But our bodies have rules. The world around us, there's the law of nature. There are things that are set up that are, that, are, that are running by, whether it's our solar system, our educational systems, even our relationships have rules. There's ways that they were meant to function. Anything that is operating in a healthy and productive way operates by this. And we know that the absence of rules is what? Chaos. You walk into a place where people are not walking a bikes and agreed upon set of rules, there's chaos and ultimately it's going to be destroyed. This happens in sports so much to the standpoint when if a ref misses a rule for our team, what do we do? We're like, hey, 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 open your eyes, ref. That ball's been overinflated. That's a Seahawks joke for some of you. Right? See, the physical laws of nature, they enable life to thrive. And these are laws that have been set up, ways of operating by our Creator God. Laws in society, I am so thankful our laws have society. After walking through four kids with driver's ed, how many are thankful for laws of the road? Right? Oh my goodness. And they're all doing great. But there are laws, civil laws, financial laws, educational, all of these enable us to be together. And as it relates to God's laws for us, I think it's important that we remember back to when, when, when God's laws was written down, back when he rescued his nation, the, 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 his people, from over 400 years of enslavement to the nation of Israel. Remember that? This nation that had been enslaved for over 400 years, he rescues them from Israel, and you would think every day would just be banners and praise and everything is great. There'd be praise dances everywhere. But when you read through the account what you find is that they had been enslaved for so long that they didn't know how to live outside of slavery. And one of the big tests that you see this is when you hit hard times. See, hard times reveal where our heart is. Hard times reveal where our struggles are. It reveals our level of health. See, flat, flat trails don't reveal my level of fitness. It's the elevation with the 35-pound pack that I should have lightened. That reveals where I really am. And for the nation of Israel, every time they hit difficulty, they want to go back to being in bondage, which doesn't make sense, does it? But they came to the Red Sea, and they said, Moses, why would you lead us here? We're going to just be killed. It's better that we go back. They almost missed the parting of the Red Sea. When they got hungry, Moses, why don't we go back? You've led us to this place to kill us, that we're going to starve. And they even began to, to long for onions. The onions were incredible back there. Man, wouldn't you like a good onion right now? They almost missed the miracle of God providing miraculously this manna from heaven for them. And when they were at the base of Mount Sinai, when Moses goes up to meet with God to show them how to live, they went back to worshiping the gods of Egypt. See, we need the law. Our lives are so broken that even when God sets us free from our sin and from our bondage, our first reaction is often to the struggle is to go back, to being controlled by what we knew. 
See, God was leading them somewhere, but they didn't know how to get there. There's a promised land in front of all of us. There's there's a path that God has for us. God has, we can't even imagine what the Lord has for us, but we need to walk to it. And in order to walk to that, there's a technique, there's, there's the law, there's this way of living out that we all know. And I could go on with analogies for all day. See, God, he was leading the children of Israel to the promised land that was described as land flowing with milk and honey. It's a place they always dreamt about, but they had to walk to it. They had to get to it. See, in order to get to what the Lord has for us, we need to learn, we need to grow. When we surrender our life to Christ, we are saved by grace. It is a gift of God. But now, God needs to cause us to grow up, to be strengthened, to be strong in the Lord, to have the endurance that it takes to get there. And that's why the law is so important that King David even said in Psalms 19, he said this, he said, the law of the Lord is what? Perfect. Refreshing the soul. He goes on to say it makes wise the simple. Hello. Gives joy to the heart, gives light to the eyes. The law endures forever. He says the law is more precious than gold, than much pure gold. He said it's sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By your... By them, your servant is warned, and in keeping the law, there is great reward. See, God's law, it shows us who we are. God's law, it shows us who he is. It shows us our need for Christ. It shows us how to live for him. It shows us how to love. The Bible says that we only know love because God first loved us, and now he's called us to love. It guides us. It protects us. And this is why we see throughout Scripture that God, he wrote it down because it's very clear. He's made it very clear how we're to live. There's no confusion over God's law. But more than that, because God just didn't want it to be some tablets or a book or just a little e-book that we go through. God said, I want it to move from the tablets. I want it to move from something you see printed on a page where he said, I want it to be now in your minds and in your hearts. I want it to be written on you. He said in Hebrews chapter 8, it says that this is a covenant I will establish with my people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. He says, I will put my laws in their minds and I'll write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. It's a covenant relationship. Just like marriage. I don't have to remind myself every day that, of the vows that I made to Stephanie, right? To be faithful, to love her in sickness and health and all those things, I just love her. Now, there are tough days, but my love for her is not just from those laws and those, 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 uh, the way to outline of how I should love her and do it. It's become now something that I know, yes, this is the way to walk. This is how our marriage flourishes. This is how we love one another. And that's why it's so important that the psalmist even says that we are to meditate on it day and night. Day and night. See, when you meditate on something, what are you doing? You're quieting yourself. You're being silent. You're emptying everything from your life. Some of you, this is the most peace you've had in a long time right now. See, when I meditate on God's Word, I'm inviting the Holy Spirit to speak to me, to instruct me, to correct me of areas of my life that need correction, that areas that are out of alignment. 
See, meditating on God's word is not like the meditation that we hear often about. Like I've, I've heard people talk about meditation is just emptying yourself and just letting whatever's around come back in. Dear Lord, there are things around me I'm trying to keep out. <laughs> That's not biblical meditation. It's about emptying yourself, quieting your soul, and then saying, Holy Spirit, now fill me. Fill me. This is what we, we sang about earlier. And Jesus, he started off his Sermon on the Mount when he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. They've, they've emptied their spirit. He said, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There's this emptying. Blessed are those that mourn. That mourning process is so important when you're going through hurts or death, whatever it is, because you've got to let it all out because there's so much hurt, there's so much pain. So he's saying, blessed, happy, are those who mourn because... As you mourn, you let it out. Holy Spirit, what, what do I need? You need to be comforted right now. It's one of the words for the Holy Spirit. He's, he's our comforter. But you've got to let it all out. Blessed are the meek. They will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who are hungry. See, when you're hungry, your stomach's empty. My stomach's never empty. But when you really allow yourself to become hungry, and thirsty. It says, blessed and happy because you're thirsting for righteousness. And as we just sang this morning, they will be filled, right? You empty yourself. And you say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill me. And Jesus promises that you will be filled. And the psalmist is saying, as we walk through this, empty yourself makes you hungry. And God's law shows you what you need. What you need. See, the goal is not just to empty yourself, to be filled with all these other things and all this junk, even some things that may be good things. You empty yourself. You focus on it. You meditate on it. You allow the Holy Spirit to fill you with everything that you need. And the psalmist says that when you do this, you are blessed. And the Hebrew word for that even means, oh, how happy that even though you're mourning, you will be comforted. Even though you're hungry, you will be filled. Wherever you are in life, you are filled with the happiness, that joy, that no matter what's going on, God, I've emptied myself of everything. There's things I don't understand. Let my spirit be poured. Let me empty everything out so that I can be filled with you. Because when we fill it with everything else, no wonder we're not happy. There may be that quick fix. There may be that quick hit, but that's going to run off very quick, and it's going to come back with an even stronger rage. I've never met a happy drug addict. Have you? They look back and they say, I wish I never did that. And you can say that for anything that we become addicted to. And the psalmist goes on to say, when we do this, we are happy. And it goes on to say, and it gives this wonderful illustration, and what a great illustration for the Northwest. It says, you will be like a tree that is planted by water. Verse 3, it says, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water. And it says, it yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. And then it says, whatever it does prospers. I mean, can you imagine? You walk into a company and say, just want to let everyone know, whatever I do is going to prosper. <laughs> They're not going to hire you, probably. But when we walk in the Lord, walking like the way he's called us, he's saying that whatever we do in his name, walking with him, we've emptied ourselves, we're being filled. He says you're like a tree 
I mean, think about all the things that the trees do. I mean, I just spent, you know, two, two, just two days, I wish it was longer, just backpacking through some of the most beautiful trees. I even, this time, I got rid of my tent and I, and I slept in a hammock all night. Best night of sleep I've ever had. See, when you think about a tree and all the things that the trees do, the trees, they're the strength of the forest. They provide shelter from the storms. They provide shelter from the rain, the heat, and cold. They provide homes for all the animals that are there. They provide food. They, they, they stabilize the soil. And they even provide the oxygen that we breathe, and they remove the harmful gases like carbon dioxide. I mean, think about all the spiritual implications that when here this psalm says that you will be like a tree that is planted by streams of water. Think about this. As you delight in and as you meditate on the law of God, you're like this tree, and now you are strength to those around you. That now you get to protect those around you because you're this righteous tree of God that God is building in your life. That now, through this empowerment from the Lord, you get to feed and nourish others. You get to bring safety and stability to those around you because of this. Because God is in you, because now his law is written in your heart, you're walking in those ways. It's like when you hand the keys off. I talked about driver's ed before, right? You don't hand the keys to somebody until they pass the test. And even then you say, in Jesus' name, and you go with them. But you wouldn't even think about it until they pass the test, and fulfilled all the requirements. How many remember your first time driving? Wasn't that a happy time? I couldn't wait. I failed my first test. I know. But when I passed it and I got to drive, oh, I couldn't wait to go. I couldn't wait to get my friends. First place I went was McDonald's. <laughs> it was right. Because my dad knew. I knew the laws. I entrusted the laws. And if I deviated, he was like, you disobey the laws. You lose those keys. It gave me freedom. Because, see, the psalmist here is pointing that in all of this, as we walk through, as we go out through this, he's saying that all of this is for the point because it leads you to maturity. It leads you to maturity. And we need mature men and women of God in this day, I think, more than we've ever needed them before. See, the psalmist says that it's a person who delights in the law of the Lord, but then it says that they yield their fruit in season. See, yielding your fruit in season, this is a word that points to being mature. It's about maturity. See, God's goal for us is not that we would just be rescued, right? It's not just a rescue mission. It's now growing and developing and walking and being mature men and women of God in all that we do. And mature people, they know two things. Two of the key things that they know that's laid out here in the Psalms is they know that, first of all, when you're mature, you will bear fruit. You will bear fruit when, when you're mature. Jesus even said in Matthew 7, he said, you will know them by what? By their fruit. You know that someone is walking with God, maturing in God, because they have fruit. But a mature person also knows that growing fruit is a process. See, m- growing fruit doesn't happen overnight. It takes hard work, it takes nutrients, it takes water, it takes patience. It takes keeping all the rabbits away. Aren't the rabbits terrible this year? I have lost my love for rabbits, no offense. But see, they know that as you do all this hard work, there's a right time and there's a season to pick. That the first time you see an apple, you don't just grab it. 
I mean, have you ever bitten into something, you paid money for it, and it wasn't ripe yet? I mean, it, it stirs up some things in you, doesn't it? Right? See, unripe fruit is awful, and not only that, unripe fruit is often even inedible. And not only that, th- this week after going through this, I, uh, I Googled, have you heard of Google? Right? I, I Googled unripe fruit. And I went through, and I discovered that some unripe fruits are even harmful. Some unripe fruits are even harmful. And here's what I learned about unripe fruit, unripe fruit this week. During the fruit development, it says that plants often synthesize many different types of alkaloids and anti-nutrients and acids and other distasteful compounds within the fruit. The latter is why many immature and unripe fruits have bitter and astringent flavors. It said these compounds may actually be toxic and have various health consequences if consumed in excess. It says that plants purposefully incorporate these into their immature fruit to prevent you from eating their fruits before they arrive. Isn't that interesting? That they even have this because they're like, it's not ready yet, so it's going to taste bitter. It's going to try to get you, and even in some, some, some of these fruits, it's even dangerous because it's not ready yet. You need to wait. I mean, compare this to a peach that is at the pinnacle of being ripe. If you find one, let me know. I'm on the hunt. There's nothing like it. It's sweet. It's juicy. It has natural sugars that I'm allowed to have. There's nothing like it. I mean, compare this to the unripe fruits. What does this mean for us? What this means for us is that when we commit to not walk in step with the wicked, to not stand in the way of sinners, to not sit in the company of mockers, but instead delight in the law of the Lord, to meditate on his word day and night. It's saying that now, you know what? You're like a strong tree. You're planted by a stream of water. You're gonna yield fruit. Everything that you do in the name of Jesus will prosper. It doesn't mean it's gonna be easy but it means that all of his promises are yes and amen. It's not a prosperity message. We've walked through hard, difficult roads. Any Christians here had hard, difficult roads in your life? But see, the tree knows that this is not just my life. As I commit to the Lord, as I delight in his law, as I walk in his ways, as I surrender and say, Lord, let your law be written in my heart, Empty me, Jesus. They know that there's a winter, but the spring is coming. And there's a summer, and there's a fall harvest. And what happens after that? There's a winter. You see what I'm getting at? But the thing about a strong tree is a strong tree never fails. It's by the water. It grows its mature fruit. That's the life that God has for us, that when the sun is shining, we stand strong. When the rains come, we're strong, we provide shelter. When the winds blow, we stand strong. When there seems to be a delay, we're patient. It's a happiness rooted in the fact that God is for us, and I think Paul says it the best. In Romans 8, Paul says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Paul said, in all these things, We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And I love this when Paul says, I'm convinced that neither death 
nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You want to know what happiness looks like? It looks like that. No matter what, God, I'm with you. I trust you. My flesh may deceive me, but there's a deep-rooted confidence that comes from you. As I delight in your law, your instruction book, your manual for my life, I meditate on it. It goes from the page to my head to my heart. And I say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your law that is, as King David, the psalmist said, it is perfect. It revives the soul. It's sweeter than honey. Lord, do your work in us today. In your name. Amen. Amen. As we just take a few moments, you know, it's important to not, the Bible says don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. And this is one of these opportunities right now. Before you leave today, take a few moments. We have communion stations. This little cup, it has just a little cracker in it and some juice that represents his body, his blood for us. And in that, the Bible says to examine your heart. I do this every week. And I say, Lord, is there anything that's out of alignment, that's, the Bible calls that sin, that needs to be dealt with right now? Because I want to walk out of this place just free, forgiven in you. Do that. You can do that as an individual. You can do that with someone that you're close to, someone you care about, and say, can we just pray for each other as we do this today? We have prayer walls. I like writing things out. I write up my prayers every morning. I pray them out. I, I put some of your names on and I circle and say, God, bless them today. Help them today. Heal them today. Maybe you want to do that. We have these, these wonderful prayer teams. You want to come forward and say, will you just pray for me today? You can share it or not share it. You can just say, just pray however the Lord leads you today. But would you pray for me for strength, for healing, whatever it may be. These are wonderful people here. Or maybe where you are, you want to turn the person next to you and say, would you pray with me today? <laughs> Many ways, same God, go to him today. And ask yourself, where are you today? What are you delighting in? Am I delighting in the right things? And then what needs to change in my life so that I can walk in strength and maturity to be that strong tree of God? Amen. Father, help be with us now. We know you're with us. Give us the courage and the strength to respond and to find all that you have in Jesus' name. Amen. Test your heart today. Just lift it to the Lord. Father, I commit to you to seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. And then all these things will be added. But we seek you first. We place you first. First in every area of our lives, oh God. And Lord, help us now, Lord, as we walk. God, that we would walk, Lord, living out everything we've talked about today, emptying ourselves of everything so that we may be filled with all that you are, your word, your law, your ways, your life in us. And everyone said together, 
Amen. Amen. Isn't it so refreshing to be around the Word of the Lord? Let me encourage you as you go through this week, go on the Church Center app. The notes are there. Questions are there. Uh, get together with somebody. Say, hey, would you want to get some coffee this week? Or, um, and just talk about some of these things and pray through these things. Live them out. Walk them out. And uh, boy, I just, I'm, I'm excited about the, what the Lord is doing here. Thank you for being here again. Congratulations to all the wonderful babies and families. Thank you for joining us today. This is our benediction as we leave today. Let's say this together. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Now go and live for Jesus. We love you so very much. God bless you all.